0: You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations,
1: you'll be smarter when you get there.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good night. Whenever it is you're listening, we are so glad to have you along for the ride. Welcome into Commute, the podcast, where we aim to entertain and inform you over the course of the average commute. I'm Dave, and I'll be joined in just a moment by my co-host and buddy Jay. But I'll tell you what. Hey, on the front end, we'd love to have you rate, review, and subscribe the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, especially, though, Apple iTunes. We'd love to have you leave a review and uh, rate the podcast on there. Helps us out a ton. On this episode of Commute, we just passed March and March Madness. You know all those brackets we always fill out? There's never been a perfect one, and there never will be.
1: Whatever happened to the one-hit wonder,
0: and how Bugs Bunny saved a human life?
1: All of that on this episode of Commute.
0: Let's get to it. So, Jay, it's April. So, what better time to talk about March? March Madness just passed. And I know how you did with your bracket. You were in my bracket, so you, you, you didn't win.
1: Well, that is true, um, but I'll say two things. One is that I have won before, and two, where did you finish? You've won before? I did. I won your bracket pool. I don't remember. That must have been a year where yeah. we, none of us were trying. Yeah, I bet you don't. Um, I got dead last,
0: so <laughs> appreciate that. I, I just left therapy, so now I've got to go back. But yes, March Madness, NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Now, last year, because we were in the grips of COVID madness, really trying to figure out what COVID was and what we were going to do about it, March Madness was canceled. And this year, uh, for me, I, I don't know about you, but I, I had a new appreciation for things like March Madness that had actually happened. So one of the best parts about March Madness is the bracket pool. You pick the teams that you think may win in the NCAA tournament. Now, I I always have a bracket that I create, like we just mentioned. But Jay, as a country, we just love to fill out NCAA tournament brackets. There are office groups, there are online groups where you can compete with celebrities, or there are groups like mine where you just compete for bragging rights against your friends, you throw $5 in, and somebody wins a cool 100 bucks. Roughly 70 million brackets get filled out each year by about 40 to 50 million people. This year, the most popular bracket challenge on ESPN.com saw more than 15,000 brackets per minute get filled out on the morning of the first games. But Jay, did you know there has never been a perfect bracket?
1: You know, I did not know that. I expected that with the volume that there would have been.
0: This also proves that you don't listen to me because in the intro to this episode, I said that there'd never been a perfect bracket. But we'll discuss that off here. So statistically, I guess it's possible, but it just can't happen. According to a report from the Sporting News, the odds of picking a perfect NCAA tournament bracket equal the odds of being struck by lightning. 3,428,571 times. So why is this? Well, in case you're one of the very few folks who have never filled out a bracket, here's what all of that entails, okay? A perfect bracket would mean picking 63 college basketball games correctly. That's 32 games in the first round, 16 in the second, Eight in the Sweet 16, four in the Elite Eight, two in the Final Four, and then, of course, the National Championship game, which most people took Gonzaga this year, and Gonzaga laid an egg. So because of all the possible scenarios, there are nine quintillion, that's a nine followed by 18 zeros, nine quintillion different ways to fill out a bracket on any given year. An expert from the Department of Mathematics at Duke University found that the true odds of perfection are 1 in 2.4 trillion. So what's the best anyone has ever done, you ask? And I know you, and I know
1: you're thinking that. Yeah, that was going to be my next question.
0: It's my guy, Greg Nigel. I guess that's how you say his last name, which proves that we're not friends. It's N-I-G-L. Greg Nigel, a neuropsychologist from Ohio. Greg correctly predicted the first 49 games of the 2019 tournament becoming the first verified bracket to correctly pick
1: through the Sweet 16. You know, I'm thinking about a scene in one of my favorite movies, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, where uh, the Millennium Falcon's getting ready to fly into an asteroid field. And uh, C-3PO leans over to Han Solo and says, you can't do this. Uh, and he kind of gives him the odds. It's like 4,000 to 1 that you're going to survive or whatever. And Han Solo turns to him and gives this iconic line. He says, uh, never tell me the odds. And that's what I want. Uh, When I sit down to do my March Madness bracket, you know, every year, I know it's impossible, but I sit down and in my head, I have, uh, I kind of have a little bit of a fantasy for about 30 seconds where I think about, I'm the guy who picks it perfect.
0: That Star Wars talk was uh, very stirring.
1: Dave, whenever you hear the term one hit wonder, and you're thinking about music, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Is Smash Mouth, w- would they be considered one hit wonder? I mean, it's all star. You've clearly never listened to the Shrek soundtrack. So no, they're not a one hit wonder. That's a good, oh, that's a good point. But they didn't write
0: that song, right? That was the monkeys. So it was a cover.
1: I don't know. You know more about your Smash Mouth lore than I do, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't try, don't push me on
0: Smash Mouth. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, the one hit wonder uh, is a, is a fascinating topic now because it's different than it used to be. You know, you think about the nineties, for example, you think about, boy bands rock groups pop singers it's just one hit wonder city tons of one hit wonders and you know you go on and you find articles online that are like 51 hit wonders from the 90s where are they now and things like that and you can fall into some rabbit holes and the first thing is uh Let's think about, and I'm going to ask you first, and then I'll kind of give you both sides. Do you think a one-hit wonder is good for someone who's an artist, or can it be something maybe more negative? Like, what what do you think an artist thinks on, yeah. on the whole as of a one-hit wonder?
0: Well, I, I'm assuming that you're probably going to go down a negative uh, trail here, but I I think. Most things in life, especially this kind of thing, are all about perspective. So I I would hope anyway that I would have the perspective of, okay, I made this one thing. It was popular. Now it allows me to do other things that maybe I'll like a little bit more.
1: Artists are divided, you know, uh, on the one hit wonder. And I think it really comes down to finance versus artistic creativity. And do you feel like a one hit wonder maybe stifles your artistic creativity? So let me give you a positive example and a negative example. So a negative example uh, comes to us in the form of the band Warrant. They wrote a song uh, called Cherry Pie. Do you know that song?
0: She's my cherry
1: pie Yeah, yeah. it's (laughs) fitting that uh, you only know the words She's my cherry pie Because that's what most people uh, only know When they think about that song And and it's a good example of how a one-hit wonder Can turn negative So the song Cherry Pie was actually not Originally intended to be on The record that it appeared on So the song Cherry Pie, according to Warrant Was actually written in 15 minutes They had actually created their entire debut album, which what they were really proud of and they were ready to put out. And then the uh, the CEO of Columbia Records comes to the door, right? And he says, hey, look, it's good, but it, we need a song that we can put on the radio. We need a pop anthem that we can stick out and market and make a music video to. Hence, uh, the song Cherry Pie. Uh, Warrant said that they wrote it in 15 minutes. They actually wrote it on the back of a pizza box, which is now uh, in the Hard Rock Cafe in Destin, Florida. And uh, that song blew up. Uh, The music video was all over MTV. Uh, The song was all over the radio. It made them famous. It made their careers. But they never really reached that level of success with a song again. And in the years following the release of their records, and as they started to move out of the music scene, many of the members of the band started to express regret over writing that song because to them, they felt like they had sort of shot themselves so high that all of the other music that followed was always compared to that song. The The lead singer has got some of the saddest quotes uh, when you read about uh, the members of the band talking about this song. His name was Janie Lane and uh, he was interviewed on VH1 and gave this quote, My legacy is cherry pie. Everything about me is cherry pie. I'm the cherry pie guy. And he did not <laughs> say it in like a... Uh, he does not say it in a cheerful so way. I mean, if you watch the video, he's, he's not happy about it.
0: Like he, I'm the cherry pie guy. Yeah, he
1: feels that as a burden. He does not feel that as, um, as, a, as a positive thing. And, and up until his death, uh, people around him said that that continued to be something that haunted him was having this song define his career. But let me give you a real quick positive example. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with a song called My Sharona, right? <laughs> My Sharona. Yeah, there, there it is again. So the guy who wrote My Sharona is a guy named Burton Aver. And when he was interviewed last year about the song My Sharona, he said this. He said, I'm lucky. When people say, what do you do for a living? I say, I go to my mailbox a couple times a month that song has been so good to me which I just love because it's like what you said it's this idea that uh, you can look at something like this as hey this brought me financial success this brought me a platform and even though it might be the song that people remember me by at least it brought me those things today you don't really see one hit wonders as much anymore in the 90s if you wrote a really good song then all of a sudden the record labels are sticking it on the radio and they're making you uh, film a music video to put on TV. Now, today, you don't necessarily need the record label. If you make a good song and you throw it up on the internet, on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram, on whatever, it's so much harder to fade into obscurity than it was in the 90s. Because if you create an audience, uh, that audience is not going to let you just disappear. You know, Weird
0: Al did a version of My Sharona called My Bologna. (laughs) So, Jay, uh, have you ever
1: heard of Mel Blank? I have heard that name before, but it's not really ringing a bell who he is.
0: You, you It doesn't shock me that you haven't heard his name, but you have for sure heard his voice. So, Mel Blank was nicknamed the Man of a Thousand Voices because, well... He did a ton of voices. Blank worked in animation over the course of sixty years and was the voice of many iconic animated characters, such as Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, maybe you've heard of a few of them. Uh yes, all
1: very familiar names. <laughs> so while I saw, Blank, spa- I saw Space Jam, okay.
0: So so yeah, Jay. So while Blank may have helped to to bring some of these beloved characters from our childhoods to life. One of those characters, and actually two of them, saved his life. So in 1961, Blank was in an awful car accident in California, driving along what is now referred to as Dead Man's Curve. Blank was nearly killed in the car wreck and slipped into a coma for two weeks. Exhausted and wondering if this was the end of Blank, his family was starting to weigh their options. That's when one of the neurologists at the hospital decided to try something kind of wacky. He walked into the room, stood beside the bed, and said, Hey, Bugs Bunny, how are you doing today? For a few moments, nothing happened. Then all of a sudden, I'm not making this up, by the way. I can see your face. Then all of a sudden, Blank's mouth opened, and out came the words, Meh, what's up, Doc? The doctor then said, is Tweety Bird in there too? To which Blank replied, Why oh, I taught, I putty tat. Jay, seven months after this happened, Blank was out of the hospital, out of his full body cast, and continued to work up until his
1: death in the late 80s. You know, aren't our brains just amazing? Because if you, I mean, any psychologist will tell you that memory is not just like a file box locked away in your brain. You know, memory is extremely complicated. And as your memories start to connect to other things in your brain, certain settings or smells or sights or feelings, all these things will rush back memories to you. And uh, as our neural connections just start to overlap more and more and more, we just start to tie up our memories in these things. Uh, and so, you know, this is why if you go to therapy, the first thing a therapist will do will take you back, you know, and go, let's go back to childhood. Let's talk about things that happened to you in the past because as people explore their past, all of a sudden memories start popping up that they didn't even know they had.
0: Yeah, and as people have studied this, this crazy uh, thing that happened with Blank, some people have concluded that perhaps his brain thought it was shifting into work mode. That the doctor had triggered a part of his brain that had been used so often over the course of, you know, at this point, 40 some years that his brain just went to work. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Commute. Don't forget to please rate, subscribe and review the podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. Music for Commute is proudly provided by Jason Sammons. For j and I'm Dave Trob. Hopefully you have arrived safely. We'll see you next week. Because I used to be really into Weird Al for a while when I was a kid. I had a, few of, I had a few of his records. Yeah, like his uh, his album um, that was based on the Michael Jackson yeah. beat it. Yeah. I think it was called
1: Eat It. Yeah, <laughs> it was called Eat It. <laughs> 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 That's so stupid. Hey, he goes, just eat it. Take an egg and beat it. Just <laughs>